Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. We are joined by Ashley Prangy, founder and CEO of O Natural Cosmetics, based in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Welcome, <laughs> Ashley. Thank you so much. Um, we're excited to have you on Where Brains Meet Beauty. Our listeners are curious about the career paths and journeys of executives in the beauty industry, but not the glossed over and picture perfect PR story that many people tell, but the honest and authentic one. And you certainly have an incredibly interesting story to tell us. Um, So before we dive into that story, let's just get to know each other a little bit. Um, Why don't you start with telling us what's differentiating about your brand? Great. So, um, First of all, so happy to be on this podcast. It's exciting and eager to share a story. Um, Au Natural is um, my baby. I started it uh, properly five years ago, although the research that I needed to do before it could come online um, was about two years. So in total, I've been working at this for about seven. And uh, Au Natural is different because um, it's organic, um, as clean as it possibly can be. So we have colored cosmetics. We have over 200 SKUs at the moment. Um, and I employ a staff that works in our lab, uh, producing things like lipsticks and foundations and lip glosses. Um, and then a staff that um, is in charge of fulfillment. And then the actual brand portion, which is um, telling the world about us and how we're working in this small town in Wisconsin using the cleanest ingredients we can get our hands on to give people fresh, uh, clean color. And um, here's a hard question. If your brand was a color, what color would it be? Oh, my goodness. I think green. (laughs) Even though we don't make a lot of the color green, we are green. (laughs) That word's almost overdone, used here, but... um, yeah, everything, you know, when we're sitting and we're making, uh, you know, even a tube of lipstick, it's like, okay, it, can this be recycled? Where is the waste going? You know, um, how how can we make this eco more clean, better for the world and better for our customer? Um, so, yeah, I, that would be the color I would pick. And then second would have to be like pale pink because I feel like that's the most popular color in the lab. <laughs> oh, really? Mm-hmm. Across mm-hmm. all formats? Uh-huh. Across all. We're just making gorgeous pink blushes a lot. Or maybe I'm just feeling that way because we've been doing so much for the last six months. But it's always popular. Mm-hmm. And on a personal note, what's your favorite movie? On a personal... Oh, my goodness. This sounds so silly, but um, probably The Goonies. Oh, cool. I really love that movie. <laughs> I've always really loved that movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's a good... It's a goodie. Um, okay, oh, so yeah. let's talk career change. Um, it's a super relevant theme right now, and you're an example of a pretty extreme shift from one career to another. Um, mm-hmm. And I think when our listeners hear your story, they'll, you know, they will be one of those um, mouths wide open. Like, how, how does that happen? Um, so, why don't you tell <laughs> us what you were doing before the beauty industry? Sure, sure. So, before Au Naturel, I was an analyst at the. Uh, Nuclear Regulatory Commission in Washington, D.C. So um, worked for the federal government, primarily um, helping regulate things like uranium mines um, and reactors that were aging. So um, very, very, very different than what I'm doing now. And I 
wouldn't even say it's because we're making a product, honestly, just a switch from public to private sector was, um, uh, it was, it was a hurdle for me just to fully understand business. Um, so the first couple years of the business, not only just making and shipping and creating the brand, it was also learning how to work with the IRS and to <laughs> make sure payroll is on time and, and legal and all of the other administrative things that are tied up into owning a small business. Um, so yeah, um, I had such a wonderful time in DC and never really thought I'd leave that career path, but there was such a need I saw in the market for actual clean color with a broad spectrum, um, of product and, um, the pigments that were in it. So if I wanted to go out and have like, you know, a vampy dark lip that I could get that organically and trust what I was reading on the labels. Um, so yeah, so I made the leap and it was, um, it was difficult and, and not just in the way that, um, it was time consuming and you work, 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 and you don't see a paycheck for a long time, but also just emotionally draining to be so absorbed into, um, working at this dream that you have and, and to see it realized it's not easy. It's, it was, it's, it is the diff- most difficult thing I've ever done for sure. So um, you have your job in D.C. where you're regulating uranium mines. Um, yeah. I'm not even sure what the day-to-day of that looks like. Um, <laughs> but as you're doing that, um, yes, there must have been like an internal process happening, you know, for several years that it wasn't just one day you're evaluating uranium mines and the next day you're researching beauty. Do you remember and recall what that kind of internal journey that led you to make yeah. that change felt like? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's because I'm a millennial, but I never really loved the idea of being a cog in a, in a big system. You know, um, I felt like I had a lot to share with the world. Um, and that where I was at the NRC and where I was in life was just not, not what I was meant to be doing. Um, and you have to kind of, I remember, you know, doing the, pros and cons. Like if I did start a business like this, um, even before I had the idea for the business or just, you know, leaving the NRC, is it worth it? Because my pay was so good. My benefits were so amazing. And everyone always calls the federal government like the golden handcuffs because it's so good. You can't leave. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then at some point you just end up retiring from that agency, which is attractive. And certainly it's why a lot of people want to be working there. But I always felt like there was a larger calling to do something more that my gifts were not best um, used at the NRC. Um, and I didn't have that feeling before. I did work on the Hill for a little while on Capitol Hill for a congressman. And I felt like then I had the opportunity. I was really like able to give back in ways that I, I couldn't in other jobs. But um, I did feel like the NRC was limiting, not that it wasn't a great place to work. So if anyone listening is from my old office, just know I had so much fun with you. <laughs> but I I really just wanted to do something more and living a green lifestyle and, you know, giving, you know, women or we have some men who work for us too, but my team um, that's ever expanding a wonderful place to work with a product that they can trust and, and love was so empowering. And I wanted to work toward that. So, um, I, I suppose I have like this one vivid memory of sitting with a friend who worked in HR at the NRC and then just noticing that every single person at our agency was referred to as one piece of human capital. And I felt just like so yucky about that. I was like, I'm one piece of human capital. That's, 
terrible. <laughs> I don't want to be here anymore. Um, so, so that internal dialogue, it was, um, it was years before, years before the company actually came into existence. And with that um, internal dialogue of wanting to do more and not being a cog in a big system, why beauty? Um, so that just, I think it was meant to be. And I say that because I had so many um, experiences, oddly, of women who were playing with pigments in um, their home and selling them on Etsy, which was interesting to me. Um, some people were making lip balms. Like these people kept surfacing in my life who um, were creating really nourishing product that I couldn't find anywhere else. And then I looked at that and I thought, that's pretty cool. Um, but why not make it vegan? Why not make it organic? Like, And why isn't there something in the market that is that? Because um, I am so careful and thoughtful in all other parts of my life um, and makeup was something as a professional I was putting on every day. And I like it. I like it. I was thinking about art school, you know, back when I was 18. Um, I like playing with color. It's fun for me. And to not have access to clean color didn't make sense. Um, and I also don't like being lied to. And I felt like even walking down the aisles of Whole Foods, you know, the word natural doesn't mean anything. Um, you know, and as someone who was a regulator, regulator, I can say, um, after doing so much research, natural doesn't mean anything. Green doesn't mean anything. You say clean beauty, like, what does that mean? You really have to dig deep to understand if you're using um, makeup that is non-toxic, that is actually okay for you. Um, and, um, and then things like living down the street from the environmental working group, um, all of these, you know, factors came together and, um, really inspired me to start this. I felt like I needed to, because your skin's your largest organ. Women are putting so much onto their skin. It's all accumulating in their system and like having at least a choice to apply healthy color that works. Well, they should have that. So I felt the calling to move into that space. You know, it's interesting how you um, identified the tie between your old job, um, your old career, and the one you have now, which really still is as a regulator, right? And so it's not about uranium yeah. mines anymore, but you're a regulator, um, an activist regulator in beauty um, yeah. to, to be able to make sure that women do have those choices and that, that honesty and labeling. Are there other career skills that transferred over from your old position in DC to what you're doing now? Definitely. Um, so in my old position, I was, um, always on teams with, um, a lot of lawyers and scientists and it took me a while. I started at that agency when I was 22. So it took me a few years to really look at documents and problems, um, with a critical eye and a keen, um, desire to understand details and that's been helpful with Onatural, not just on the legal side of it, but when it comes to this advocacy, really even understanding some of the efforts that we've been working so hard for. Um, you know, Senator Feinstein and Collins introduced a measure that we were so happy to support and add our two cents to. Um, but that even, to me, was a good first step, but not comprehensive into really offering a whole lot of um regulatory measures for personal care products. So just even just sitting down with a 25 page document and reading it really closely and reading the fine print so that you can get 
an in-depth um, understanding of what that effort is and how to make it better. Um, that is what I did in my old position. So just a lot of um, high-level thinking to get something finished. And I, I do that every day with um, Au Natural for sure. But with the DC work, um, I'm so passionate about it because there really is no regulatory measures in the personal care product space. And so um, even working with some lawmakers right now on forming a new bill similar to the one that Feinstein and Collins introduced last Congress um, is, you know, that's everything. I, just taking that language, making it more critical, more refined, and introducing something that does more, I mean, takes a lot of thought, <laughs> a lot of thought, a lot of writing and um, foresight. And that certainly is something that um, we're doing every day. And at least on the Hill, it's something that I care a whole lot about and that we're um, not struggling, but we're always working harder to be better than we were before in framing something that can be passed. And one day we will. If I'm hearing this correctly, it almost sounds like you left one career to actually start two careers, one as the founder and CEO of a beauty brand and one as a advocate and um, in the, in the advocate for customers in the government with regards to beauty. Would you say that you sort of have two jobs now? Yes, I would. <laughs> I would. I would. Um, and I take both very seriously. Um, no one else, it, and that's not true. There are other people who are on the Hill signing on and supporting, but to really shake up um, some specific lawmakers who I know will introduce something that could then be signed on and supported by other companies and um, other groups like EWG, which is the Environmental Working Group, who does do so much, um, or the Center for Food Safety, who is always such a supporter. Like, you need to have the idea first in order to make an actionable, um, and that is where I see us. And we're not always giving credit, and that's okay. Like, what matters to me has nothing to do with that. It's, you know, when I am in D.C. and I'm seeing, you know, little girls who are around 10 years old with no hair or eyebrows because they used WEN shampoo and the FDA absolutely has no authority to tell when to put a label on the bottle that says could cause hair loss or, you know, has no authority to even pull the product when it's known to be a hazard, especially for small children. Like, that is what keeps me going, has everything to do with wanting to protect people and that's innate in who I am. Um, switching gears a little bit um, on a hard day and I'm sure there are some hard days. Um, what's your daydream plan B job? Um, you know, wh what is, what is in the back of your head that like, if this doesn't work out, what, what's my next thing? <laughs> I try not to think about that. <laughs> Um, I, so when this is so successful that I give it to someone else who can help me with it or should something terrible happen, huh? I think I would be happy just working on an organic farm, truly. And, um, being in Wisconsin advocating for the environment here, that means a lot to me. Um, the Midwest is not given enough attention on, you know, what industrial farming is capable of. Um, in compromising the environment, and I see so much that needs to be done right where I live, and so much promise and so much potential, but so much sadness, too, with um, big agriculture and what it's doing. So I think I would find myself in another advocacy role paired with, um, yeah, growing really yummy organic food. That's what I would do. Well, 
So let's um, let's go back to talking about the beauty industry. Um, and no doubt we could say that um, when you started an industry, you were an outsider, right? You had no yeah. um, prior experience in the beauty industry. Um, did you feel like an outsider when you started this business? And oh, um, yeah. if so, when did you stop feeling like an outsider? Um, I always felt like an outsider. I remember going to my first event in New York City and thinking that, honestly, every single makeup line has a lab because how else do they make their makeup? Um, I was not being laughed at, but they're like, what do you mean? You have your own lab. And I'm like, well, because we have to make the product that I'm advertising. I mean, obviously, we make our products. And I found myself to be the only person at this particular event that actually made their own products. Um, so, so I did start understanding that the way I went about starting Au Naturel is completely different than other brands. And there are brands that I have, you know, since worked with who I adore that are doing similar things in skincare that we do here for makeup. And it's so nice um, speaking with the founders of those companies because we have so much in common in that way, but definitely an outsider, no experience at all. And it makes it hard because the beauty industry in a lot of worlds, um, especially in New York, I find um, are a bit clicky because they all came from a background that is, you know, Estee Lauder, L'Oreal, just not in this like green niche area of makeup. And so um, some people call that indie beauty. Um, and I do have more in common with people in that space. But even then, it's it's a bit different. Um, we're not using a third-party part, contract manufacturer. And because we take it very seriously when we say our product is natural and organic, um, telling that story and talking to people about what that means to them. It's like we're speaking two different languages. So depending on my crowd now, like for instance, next week I'll be in LA for Indie Beauty Expo, they'll understand a bit about my world. In the larger genre of like CEW's events, for example, like I just, I feel like we're talking a different language and I still feel like an outsider because what we're doing is in sharp contrast to um, what most people in beauty are working on, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes total sense. You know, so you're telling us that you started your business in beauty, not having any experience in beauty. You built a lab to develop and manufacture products mm-hmm. because you thought that that's what everybody did. And then you realize yeah. um, when walking into kind of the New York sphere of beauty that that's what almost nobody does. Um, right. Has that lab become an asset to you? It's everything. It's everything. I mean, not only do I have a skilled staff now who's capable of turning over a ton of product in a short amount of time, we also have the control and ability to quickly become even better. And I say that, like, I'll give you an example right now that I'm dealing with. Um, We have access to the first clean, organic, uh, raw palm oil that's also sustainable coming from Ecuador, right? I've never used that ingredient before because if you're using palm oil, you're basically giving a thumbs up to deforestation in Asia, right? So we never use that ingredient. Um, And now that I have access to this beautiful ingredient that I can use in a lot of different things, but the first will be a lip product, um, we can quickly change formulations to reflect, I would argue, the cleanest lip product in the world, to be honest. Um, I know that's a bold statement, but it's awesome how quickly we were able to put that together because we have the lab. And if we want to work till three in the morning on something like this, we will. And we can. We have all the tools now. 
that's exciting. Yeah, it's so interesting how, um, you know, walking into the industry blind actually created um, this huge opportunity for you, right? Because if yeah. you worked at a, a strategic before this, you never would have built your own lab, right? Correct. I never would have because it was a lot of work. It still is, but building what we have right now, that was a lot of the last four years of my life. Do you think that when you left DC, you could have just gotten a job at another brand that existed and be able to accomplish what you're accomplishing now? No. Mm-mm. I don't think I would have been very desirable because my background didn't reflect anything in beauty. I had no marketing experience formally. Um, there's none. My skill set before Au Natural would not have been conducive to helping another brand grow. Um, so... Yes. Yeah, so my 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 position in the space I'm in right now is definitely um, forced by just me and my efforts. Um, and certainly hiring some wonderful people on our team now has helped us really hold a firm place in what green and natural is for color. Can you um, think back to your first year in business? Because now you're really at Almost seven years, right? Um, two years of research. And five yes, years of yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, can you like summarize what that felt like? Year one, mm-hmm. being a new entrepreneur in a new industry. Yeah, it was. Um, it was hard. It was exciting because you form these relationships um, online with like bloggers and just a few tastemakers who give you enough attention where you're starting to build your customer base. And that part is exciting and it's validating because you're like, Oh, I had this concept. I have this idea and it's working and it's amazing. And it's resonating with some people, these perfect strangers who you don't know who are ordering from your website. And it's, it's what keeps you going, but it's so time consuming. You get so wrapped up into it that I remember my work at the NRC was hard to, um, because I did both for about 10 months and it was difficult. Um, but also I was in a relationship at that point too. And quite frankly, it was too hard to juggle all three. I mean, I left the NRC. I was hoping that I could balance the relationship and the business, but, um, I just became very isolated and working so much on Au Naturel that nothing else was getting enough attention. And I wasn't really, in a place to um, entertain anything beyond that. So I sort of became closed off and isolated. And then even further isolated when I moved out of D.C. because I left my friends um, and just worked on this full time. So it's pretty much alone. And that really um, took an emotional toll that I think it's hard to express in words. It was certainly a lonely time. It was an exciting time, but very, yeah, lonely. And And when did... When did that um, subside, that loneliness um, and the stress? Do you remember a point in the journey within the past five years when um, you felt a shift? Yeah, yeah. I would say it would be in year two, um, not year two, probably more like year three, when we had enough of a team where I felt like I was actually going into an office space where I almost have this work family, right, who on some level understands what you're going through. And um, feels comfortable enough with you at that point to say, hey, let's go get a glass of wine, right? It seems so simple and silly to say because that was so much of my life before Au Natural. But um, really that work-life balance, and I hate when people say work-life balance because as an entrepreneur, I don't think that's real. I think it's just 
integrating work into all of your life where you feel less stressed, um, entertaining all of it all at once. I don't know if that makes sense, but like, I just feel like if it's two in the morning and I'm answering email, that's okay. Right. That needs to be addressed at that time. There's nothing wrong with that. And if you do work that way, carving out time to do breakfast with your grandmother or a happy hour or something like you need to have that social interaction, or at least I do to have a life that's full. Um, and it took me a long time to figure out how to do that for me. So why not have started the brand in DC where you had your relationships and your comfort zone? Why, why move all the way to green Bay, Wisconsin? Ah, I felt like I wanted to bring, I wanted to bring this company here, which is home for me because I knew that the work ethic here was superior. And I say that with manufacturing in mind, um, in DC, I had a lot of friends and high level places that were so important in the beginning with writing a business plan and developing banking relationships, like all of these connections, all of this advice, there's absolutely no way I could have started Au Naturel here by myself at that point. But bringing it to Green Bay meant that I could afford to hire more people. I had space that was affordable. And um, it seems like a nowhere place on the map for most people. (laughs) But Green Bay actually has a lot of industry here. And I was able to cherry pick some wonderful individuals to mentor me um, into what I am today. And it's not just Green Bay. I mean, I travel a lot to other cities and I'm very fortunate and feel very grateful that um, these mentoring relationships are in those places too. So um, so for Green Bay, I mean, it's the muscle really, and the people will work hard for you. And I know that because I grew up here and it's wonderful to be part of this community, which is so caring and giving and um, loves that they have an aspect of the beauty industry in the city, even though I am basically the only one. Um, and they celebrate it and it's fun. Um, and I'm happy I did it. I really don't know if we would be where we are right now if we didn't move to the Midwest. Um, so now after five years of business, what would you say the hardest part um, of running the businesses today? Um, the hardest part is, God, that's such a hard question, Jody. Um, Growing, constantly growing. We're growing every year. We have a rebrand coming up. Um, so we'll finally look as great as the product and the inside of the lipstick tube is, if that makes sense. Beauty is a really emotional space. And up until this point, I could never have a full rebrand that I thought adequately reflected the ingredients um, that we have in the product. So everything coming out is exciting. It's chic. It's everything I've ever wanted. And that's happening in March. So for me, the hardest part is um, making sure that goes off out a hitch, which means I need the right team players in place. Um, I had to let some people go who didn't share vision with me, Um, really nurture some staff members who I need to lean on um, so we can keep this brand growing at the rate that it's growing. Um, And then second to all of that is um, constantly being innovative with our ingredient list. Um, I will always have what's inside of a product be like the best thing that I've access to. So just that, um, palm oil would be our biggest thing right now, but then moving into what clean color looks like, you know, we're vegan, we're not using beeswax or carmine. We're also natural to the point where our definition of natural is is superior to most. So 
um, even digging deep into where we're buying our iron oxides from and our sericites and our titanium dioxide and making sure it's non-nano, making sure that it's beyond clean, like beyond EU standard, beyond COPA, and just being totally pure, pure pigments. Um, the sourcing of our raw ingredients, to be short, is my second hardest hurdle. And um, my last question for you, and I think it's a really important question for an entrepreneur, uh, aside from financial goals, what is your barometer for success? Uh, beyond, um, hmm. I want everyone who works with me and in my team to be empowered by what they've been doing here. So my goal is to take every single person that this company touches and making them feel like they can do anything. Like if they want to start their own business, that they should, that I've given them the skills and the opportunity to succeed and that our ethos of being, you know, a charitable company, one that is always giving and always helping that they would take those values and grow them into their own, um, their own projects later. That's the first thing that I can think of. There's other barometers for success too, but the people are what's most important to me. Um, the finance is just the goals we have to reach so I can keep growing this and touch more people's lives, really. Thank you so much, Ashley Prangy, for sharing your stories with us. This is an incredible contribution to where brains meet beauty. Thank you for being with uh, us. I'm honored to be with you. Thank you for thinking of me. I so appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.